Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is our best of 2020 edition. The virtual edition. The virtual edition, yes. Uh, believe it or not, um, there we still have enough. Somebody asked me today at work, do you have enough films to do a top 10 list? And I was like, there's some pretty, there's some pretty damn good films that came out in 2020. So yes, I've got plenty of films for a top 10 list. And so Adam and I are going to share our, uh, each of us are going to, we don't know what our, each other's top 10 list is. So this nope. may turn into argument and fighting before it's all done, but uh, I'm excited, we are, man. We are socially distant when this time we're miles apart. <laughs> and if it comes to blows, someone's going to have to hop in a car. <laughs> absolutely we are on the zoom call and like you said we are uh uh doing this virtually like most of 2020 right oh it's over and we can only hope it stays behind us let's hope so I, 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 reaching from the grave moment <laughs> absolutely well if this is your first time listening to the film coterie podcast we welcome you and thank you for joining us we are a general movie podcast and uh we, uh, Adam, I am a lover of everything, as is Adam. He loves just about every genre of film as well, too. But my passion is old classic films. I love vintage Hollywood, black and white. It was done in the 30s and 40s. Uh, it's my type of movie. I'll probably, it's my wheelhouse. And Adam just loves the horror genre as well. And uh, so, yeah, we're excited, you, we're excited you could be with us. And we used to go to something called a movie theater. Yes, we back in the day, we would go to like these things called screeners on Monday and Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard thing is this year when you're doing your list. I mean, we, we expanded the rules, both with our regional critics association among ourselves to count anything premiering on streaming because 2020 is a year unto itself. We've never right. seen anything like it. So instead of just going to the movies or watching for general VOD releases, we're having to keep up with all these platforms whether it's apple tv plus disney plus um or, or the dozens Netflix. and dozens of emails with screener Ooh. links to them yeah it was more juggling with apps than i've ever done before and, and it was sometimes hard to track down a movie without a google search to figure out where it was or if someone had sent it to you so it was definitely a very very different year and what roger and i were talking about before we turned on the mics um out of my top 10 list i saw none of these in an actual theater and I'm old enough that my memory's failing me. I think I saw two of my top 10 in an actual theater. It's time for us to unveil our 10 through six, uh, the, the, the films that we thought were of the best of 2020. And uh, I guess we'll just start with number 10, Adam. So do you want to go first? Yep. My number 10 is Wolfwalkers. This is a film from Cartoon Saloon, an Irish animated film, the same people that gave us some other ones like The Secret of Kells or Song of the Sea. And this one it debuted on Apple TV+. Plus. Yes. Uh, Go ahead, Adam. Just an incredible fantasy fable about a young girl becoming friends with another girl who happens to be a shape changer. And the adventure they go on and, and the battle of industry versus nature and just a wonderful sort of fairy tale film that's just very engaging, really good vocal performances across the board, incredible animation, and just something that I wish I could have seen on a big screen. I'm sure it looked incredible, but even at home, it just wowed you. 
Yeah, I, I have to agree there. I loved Wolf Walkers. It may or may not appear a little later on my list, but uh, great film. Uh, it can be, I'll save my, I'll reserve my comments for maybe a little later. So okay. I, I absolutely agree. Wolf Walkers is a great film. My number 10 film, I believe I saw this in the theater with you and it's Pixar's Onward. And yes. um, I really liked this film. Uh, it's my favorite Pixar film of the year, if that tells you anything uh, about maybe another Pixar release earlier this uh, from earlier this year. Um, I, you know, is it the best Pixar film ever? No, but dang on it. I've seen this. I've watched this film about four times and introducing it to people, you know, and every single time I tear up at the end, you know, of this film, because it tugs on some of those father, son heartstrings a little bit. And, you know, I just thought, kept thinking with my top 10 list, um, it's fun. There, does the film have problems? Yes. Is there problems with the, the maybe one of the acts in the film? Absolutely. But overall, I just kept thinking of the top 10 films of the, all the films I've seen. It's one of the ones I've seen the most, you know, and repeat watch. And I just, I couldn't leave onward off of my, my list. It's my number 10 film from 2020. Okay. Well, we'll stick with you then. What's your number nine? My number nine was a surprise film for me. There was a screener that a night where you and I had to divide and conquer and you went to one theater to watch a film and I went to a second theater to watch a film. And so my number nine film of 2020 is Emma. And I am a sucker for period piece. I, I, I just finished uh, Bridgerton on Netflix. I'm just a sucker for, Downton Abbey, all of them. If it's period piece, if it's England, I just love it, you know, kind of a deal. And so I was just really blown away by by Emma, how um, uh, Autumn DeWild, there was just such craft in the directing and, and how things were handled. A beautiful cinematic experience, beautiful score, very light and fun. Um, I just a joy. And, and I, I was introduced to Anya Taylor joy for the first time, I think in that film. And she's now had a huge, was she in? No, you saw her in the witch. I'm sure. Oh, in the witch. Yes. But I didn't recognize her because, oh. you know, she's all, I mean, I, yeah, that's right. Cause I remember uh, going back and saying, Oh yeah, she was in the witch. And I, I didn't even, I, I didn't even make the connection for me. And, uh, uh, you know, and she's making a huge splash. Uh, she just had the big Netflix series, The Queen's Gambit, that she did. She's in The Northman that's about to come out. I mean, she's about to be everywhere. And I just loved her role uh, in Emma. Uh, it was just, I don't know, just real, just, 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 I, I just love these, those type movies. I'm a sucker for them. I'm sorry. <laughs> How about you, Adam? My number nine is on Netflix. It is The Devil All the Time. Was it sad you didn't end up in the hospital? Yeah, well, there's a lot of no good sons of bitches out there. <clears throat> My lord, Irvin, you've been saying that almost since the day I met you. Yeah, well, that's because it's true. Well, maybe you should try praying for him then. Would that hurt now? You already do enough for all of us. Where's it doing you much good, huh? You know what would do you good? to not be wandering behind school by your own self like I told you. 
from Antonio Campos taking place in Knockhamstiff, Ohio, which is a real place. <laughs> it's a Southern Gothic where there really are no good characters. It's ugly, it's dark, and it's just sort of enthralling. Robert Pattinson plays a really slimy preacher that's just enjoying every minute he's on the scene. The stories do all come together. And I think it just has a little bit of magic being set in our own neck of woods here, Ohio, and, and getting a Southern Gothic, maybe a little more North in geography. Yeah. You know, that's one you recommended to me and I just haven't been able to get to it yet. So, uh, but I'm, I'm hearing great things about it. I think it's a, uh, uh, yeah, great pick from what, from what I'm hearing, you know, absolutely. It's so. a downer. It's not going to bring your evening up any, but it's, it's just a really well acted, plotted everything little chamber piece okay so what's your number eight adam my number eight is never rarely sometimes always um i always have to carefully go through that but those are the questions you get at a clinic or anytime you're answering sort of a healthcare questionnaire and it's the story if you're not familiar about a, a young girl who has to go out of state to, to seek an abortion um, it's certainly a heavy subject matter, but I think it's handled really well. Um, very thoughtful, very, uh, it's just a piece that's going to make you think about it. And like I said, the, the teenage performances are really good. Um, just the fear of going from Pennsylvania to a big place like New York City, you know, with just a couple bucks in your pocket. And the heaviness of that decision and everything else that I, I think it's a movie that can really stick with you. Yeah, again, a film that just... I haven't had time to get to yet. I've heard great things about it. It's probably going to end up on a lot of um, um, top 10 lists and it's probably going to get a lot of nominations, but I just haven't had a chance to get to it yet. So, And I, I don't think it's out anywhere yet because we have a weird awards year where movies can come out as late as February and still be eligible for the Oscars. So a lot of them did qualifying runs. Screeners were sent out but I don't think this has really hit anywhere yet other than screenings in the Oscar qualifying round in New York and LA. Yep. Well, my number eight um, is a movie that ironically, um, it could be a part of a bookend for social media. And in 2010, we were graced with uh, the social network, which is the story about how Facebook came onto the scene with Jesse Eisenberg. And in 2020, Netflix released The Social Dilemma. And while far from a perfect film, in, I'm a little older, let's just say I'm in my early 50s. And in my circle of friends outside of the film community, by far one of the most talked about films of the year. Um, someone who might be my age and maybe a little older really doesn't understand how social media works and the interactions with it. And there's, there's, there's a great line that says, if you're not, I just forgot it, but it's basically saying, if you're not buying the product, you are the product. And the idea is how social media has went from just a thing to be social to where they are literally marketing it to drive you to make purchases and drive you to have screen time and drive you to sell ads. And this is nothing new. This stuff's been around since they did the subliminal, you know, popcorn and, and, and you know, movie ads, you know, in some of the previews, but fascinating that they got some people that, you know, worked in the, the groundbreaking part of 
the social networking era when it when you know in you know the late 2000s and and into the 2000 teens that really said man you know um we we didn't we never realized what we were creating would become what it's become um hit or miss in some areas but by far engaging uh, my, my wife and I talked a lot about this film. My circle of, of friends really talked about this film. And so it's my number eight pick um, for 2020. Was that also your <clears throat> top documentary pick? Yes, it was my top documentary pick as well. Absolutely. So, yep. Okay, let me do my number seven. Okay. <laughs> So my number seven, if you've listened to our earlier podcast that released just before this one, you're going to be surprised that maybe this ended on my top 10 list, but this is a film that has grown on me and just stuck with me. And I did a second viewing of this film. Adam and I were opposed in our initial viewings of this film uh, because I had, I, I had some trouble with investment in the lead character. But daggone it, that, this film is so beautifully shot, and it's mank. It is so gorgeous. It is the, the, the soundtrack alone is worth putting it in the top 10 for 2020. Um, the performances are Amanda Seyfried is just great. I mean, the, it's just literally, it's just a great movie. Outside of the fact that I, you know, and Gary Oldman is is on the top of his game here. This is David Fincher. I, I could not leave Mank out, outside of my top 10. And so it comes in as number seven for me, Adam, probably much to your happiness that I'm coming around on this film. <laughs> I'm glad. I, I've only seen it once still. And the, and the first time I viewed it, I, I just knew it deserved multiple viewings. There's There's something to it. There's a little bit of magic caught in there. And again, it's one I regret not seeing on the big screen because it just, it looks incredible in the black oh, and white. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when the special edition cut comes to the gateway and we can go in a couple of years and go see this. Absolutely. And hands down, the best dialogue of the year in any film. But they had to do that since Mank was known for that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Loved Mank. It's my number seven of the film, year of the film of the year adam what about you my number seven also has the seven in the title it's the trial of the chicago seven did you stand up it was a reflex he was respecting the institution i don't know what good it does to insult the judge and it was in view of the jury and the press and Fernando schultz who'll be recommending sentencing for convicted it's a revolution tom we may have to hurt somebody's feelings so um we have this list I was thinking maybe Monday morning we could Jesus read the Christ. names into the record as a way of saying, a way of saying what, that whatever we're facing, you know, it's peanuts compared well, to what he's these guys. He's the one who's going to sentence us. The judge gets to decide what we're facing. It is a goddamn trial. Political trial. No, we were arrested. For, the law doesn't recognize political no, trials. No, no, we weren't arrested. We were chosen. This was another Netflix uh, title. It came from Aaron Sorkin. It's a courtroom drama based upon the real-life trial of seven individuals that were charged wow. with conspiracy to incite a riot outside of a political convention. And it takes a very complicated event, boils it down, and just makes a very entertaining, thought-provoking, and even somewhat educational film. 
um, of what these individuals went through. And to many of themselves, they were strangers, you know, just lumped together and, and all charged together for this crime of this riot. Um, a lot of great performances in it. Um, I thought I thought Mark Rylance is really good in here. He always is. But as the kind of the lead defense attorney and Sasha Baron Cohen actually gets a pretty good turn in here, too, as one of the defendants. Well, unfortunately, I've got to watch it now. It just has not made it onto my list. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. But after that review, it's going to go up the queue to the top. So that's pretty cool. If, if you like Sorkin at all, from West Wing to anything he's done afterwards, it's, right. it's a must watch. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so our last, our, our bottom, last of our bottom five and our top 10 is number six. Do you want to go ahead, Adam, and yep. share your number six? My number six is Nomad, Nomad Land. This is a film that, again, is unfortunately not out anywhere. It's going to come in January or February for most. But it takes a subject matter that's really kind of interesting that we haven't seen, and that's this drifting van culture that sort of came about after the Great Recession of these people that live out west, and they just sort of bounce between work, whether it's working at Amazon during the holiday rush or in the summers working at national parks or other places. And these people are quote unquote free. They, they're not tied down anywhere. They just live out of their vans and they, they're a community. Frances McDormand will obviously get a lot of awards love, I think for this as well-deserved. She's always up there, but this is a really good performance of hers where you just lose herself in the character. And what's interesting about the film is a lot of the other characters are real people. It's not a documentary, but it, it can sort of have that feel because these are other authentic people out there that are, that are living that lifestyle. Right. Francis McDormand and some other people were sort of just embedded into. So it's quasi narrative, quasi documentary. Um, but I just found it a real fascinating watch. Well, yeah. And, and, and I, and I really liked it as well too. I found it fascinating how Clo Zhao was a, the director was able to, there had to be a lot of not improv, but very guided skeleton script here in the sense of, I know she's working from source material. I don't want to, I don't want to make that, but like right. there's scenes where they're sitting around a campfire and they're talking and they're sharing about what, what had went on. I wonder how much organic script came out of a lot of that using these actual nomads in the film, but I agree with you. Great film. Uh, absolutely. As well. Um, and again, if you remove some of the narrative elements, if you didn't recognize Francis McDormand, this could feel like a documentary. No, I, I, I agree. Absolutely. Great, great film. Um, my number six kind of came out of nowhere and really hit me right in the face. You know, we get a lot of screeners and emails, dozens and dozens. And I literally early on in the process, I thought I'm going to flip this, flip this on and see what, you know, just watch it and see what it's about. And it's Minari. And um, man, this movie just wrecked me. I'm telling you great film. Um, I, I didn't, I did outside of um, uh, the cast, maybe the lead. I didn't really know any of the other actors or actresses in this, but it's a, it's it's an immigrant story, you know, Korean family that moves to rural Arkansas, and mm -hmm. uh, it's set in the '80s. So you know, it's all, some of the '80s stuff that is nostalgia for me. But it, there was just such an honesty to this film. I have a lot of friends that live in Arkansas and I've been all through the state over the years. And it's so easy to turn, um, you know, 
these these beautiful country people into hillbilly caricatures if you're not careful and it doesn't do that they're 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 treated with respect and the culture is treated honestly and openly for its good and its bad um and there's so many layers to this film with the story of how does this family stay together what's really important um is it this farm is you know the, the husband is bent on the farm the wife was just bent on them getting ahead in life you know and, and not having to work in a chicken farm their whole life you know uh and so just beautiful performances uh grandma steals the show in this film for me i laughed several times at her jokes and you know very often it's hard to laugh when you're having to read a subtitle because it's all in korean you know so it's it's hard to laugh but funny enjoyed minari and it's my number six film for uh, 2020 yeah absolutely beautiful film and it's one of those things that's made some headlines because it's it's an american film you know written and directed shot here starring a lot of the cast but a lot of it's in korean so the Hollywood foreign press has taken some flack because they called it a foreign film. Whereas other critical associations have a distinction and they might refer to something as a foreign language film. Right. But this is an American film. It's not a foreign film, but it's, no. it's really, really good. Yep. Did, did we, did we do your number six, Adam? Yep. We're ready to. Okay. The half point yeah. Here. So that's our 10 through six. Let's take a quick break and then we'll give you our top five films of 2020. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Film Coterie. dealing with our top five of 2020. So Roger, I'm going to kick it over to you. What was your number five film? Okay, Adam. So my number five film is a film that's already been mentioned on this top 10 list by you, and that's Wolf Walkers. It is my number one animated film of the year. Um, loved it. Everything you said, I agree with. The story is great. It's, it's beautifully shot. The thing that I appreciate about Wolf Walkers is they took time to, you know, to make a film with layers so that your kids can enjoy it and sit with you, you know, and watch it. But yet there's so much content. There's political commentary. Uh, I mean, it's just a, just a solid, great film. It's it's folktale-ish in nature, um, uh, you know, and again, just beautiful and 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 girl empowering. I mean, there's just so much to love about Wolf Walkers. Um, I haven't been able to talk my kids into watching it with me yet because they look at it and think it's just a kiddie movie. But it's there's so much more depth there about relationships, about generations, um, about uh, uh, how we interact with one, how we empower one another. Um, are we only free when we're not thinking about our actions? I mean, there's just 
so many things like psychologically I could go on about this film that I found great, but my number film of 2020 was Wolf Walkers. And I'll say this with kids watching movies like baby boss or whatever generic DreamWorks kind of crud that comes out. If you were in the room and Wolf Walkers was on and your kids were watching it, I think it would draw an adult in. It's that engrossing. Yes. So Yep, absolutely. That's a recommendation from both of us. One of our first crossover titles. I think that's the first one, right? Yep. Yeah, so. All right. My number five is Palm Springs, uh, a comedy that hit Hulu with Andy Samberg. Taking a note from Groundhog Day, it's a guy that's stuck going over and over again in his Groundhog Day of this (laughs) wedding that he goes to, and he's, he's stuck in this time loop. Well, then he brings in a, a girl he's interested in. And now you have an interesting dynamic of two people within a loop getting to know each other, maybe liking each other, falling apart. What's it like to spend eternity in the same day? Very funny, very just conscious script of, you know, the pitfalls of this kind of thing and, and having fun with it. It's an entertaining movie from start to finish. I think it surprised a lot of people, myself included, you know, thinking it might be a funny diversion. But no, it's actually a pretty damn good movie. So Palm Springs. Unfortunately, not. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So, <laughs> I've been through a few of those those films in our in our neon uh, bundle, but I have not made Palm Springs yet. But it's on the list. Maybe I'll get the kids and watch it with Zach and Tori or something on a Friday yeah, night. With them, like so. it, yeah. Okay, excellent. All right, uh, I'll start off then with my number four. Okay, uh, this one is now available on Amazon, and it is Sound of Metal. This yeah. is a debut film uh, from the director, and it's about a drummer in a, in a band that loses his hearing and just how much it changes his life. Not only does it explore deaf culture, and I think a really honest and interesting way, it also just explores the relationship that he was in. Now that something so vital to him as his hearing, which was his livelihood, is gone, who is he? How does he define himself? How is he going to find a way forward? Um some incredible performances in this from Riz Ahmed. I think you're going to see him up for best actor in a lot of groups. Yes. And it's just a film that has, I think a path that's really realistic in it. You, you kind of fall into the narrative and understand everything. And at the end, you, you can just see that, you know, this, this is a great exploration of a character. It's a great character study. Uh, crossover number two. This is my number four as well, <laughs> which is funny. We have the same number four sound of metal. I could not agree with you more, Adam. I loved this film. I have a music background and I thought that's what would draw me in, but it's not really what engaged me in the film. It's really the story of his journey. Um, interesting enough, my it, it just happened to be when I was watching it, I was in the den upstairs and my daughter had a friend over 
and my son was home and you know before i knew it the, the kids were like kind of around the den and they popped down on the couch and they're like oh what are you watching i'm like oh this is sound of metal and it's supposed to be really good and this and stuff and you know they like they were acting like they're gonna get up and leave but about five minutes into it they're like wow do you see how it changes and like we're hearing from his perspective and how he hears things and like before the movie was over, they were all like just glued in. They were 100% invested in where this story was going to go. And so to me, that's the biggest um, uh, thumbs up that I can give for Sound of Metal. Raz Ahmed is my, my, my vote for best actor of the year. I think is just the performance he gives with his eyes at time as he loses his hearing and as he's trying to convey emotion is just so incredible. Um, I have a, I have a brother who is um, has a lot of hearing loss and has to deal with some of those issues. So I have been an in and out of the deaf community. Very respectful, very honest. I thought very honest assessment uh, or, or portrayal of that community. I loved the the rehab director, the director of the. I just thought he was so just so genuine and good and nice but yet firm and tough and not going to compromise what the clinic standards was or the rehab farms standards was but yet still just had such empathy and compassion for people going through addiction and so i love there's so many layers to sound of metal i highly recommend i'd recommend it to anybody but it's yeah. just a fantastic movie more than about just hearing loss and a drummer, uh, it like again dealing with addiction, dealing with the relationships, um, dealing with where we find value. So many good things I could say about Sound of Metal, and it's available right now. Anyone with a Prime subscription can watch it on Amazon Prime. Yep, absolutely. So, my number three are we at number three? We have a crossover, three. right? So, my number three, I know, is not appearing on your list, Adam. <laughs> Because we've had several conversations about this. We've had a couple of conversations about this film, unless I'm mistaken. And that is the film Tenet. All I have for you is a word. Tenet. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Use it carefully. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. I'm not saying I'm getting here. No. It is not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew it was not, um, because once you got to see it, you're... you're reaction of it was a lot different than my i mean you and i a lot of the times we agree on a film you know most of the time agree but this is one we diametrically were opposite on. We were. but and we saw it months apart you saw this in theaters and yeah. i saw it home tenet is my most watched film of 2020 just because my kids have asked me to watch it twice so I've seen it once in the theater, twice with my kids, and one more time with the friend who I was introducing the film with. 
And I just, it, this movie just works for me. I, I, this is, this is um, Christopher Nolan's spy thriller. If he was you know, going to make a, a spy thriller, it, it just, it just, I buy into it. It works for me. Uh, you know, I love the performance by John David Washington. I thought it was great. I love the, 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 the performances by Robert Patterson in this film. I love how every time I've watched it, I catch something new that I did not see before. A subtle nod, a subtle hint. I'm a sucker for time movies, time travel movies. But to, I guess I bought into the premise of inverted physical material that and so if i buy into the premise then the movie begins to really work for me so my number my number three film of 2020 is not on adam's list and it is tenet <laughs> we might have to do an episode on tenet okay Just the rare instance for yes. where we agree let's do it it does happen <laughs> How about you, Adam? Um, What's your, I won't well, even let you, you don't have to even comment on it. <laughs> I'll just say this about Tenet. Like I said, we could probably do a whole episode on it. Tenet is, has been a divisive film this year. Critics are all over the place on it. I'm glad there is division because, like I said, I would have felt like I was crazy if I came out of it thinking what I think about it and only hearing, you know, Roger's take on the film. But it, it is affecting everyone differently, so I'm encouraging you to check it out. But we'll we'll have to have a talk on it at some point. Absolutely, would love to do that. Be fun. Be a fun episode to do. Uh, my number three is already been mentioned. It's Minari. Um, like this is that Korean film. It's an American film. Korean family goes to a farm. Covers so much area just in this story. It's a small and scope story, but it feels really broad. And it has this sort of element that just brings you into this family. It feels like you're with them along for this journey, almost like yeah. you're in the room for all these major moments. Um, you're seeing the young and the old of the family. I, I like the little boy's performance throughout the film and he's butting heads with grandma who comes to live with them. And just, you know, where are they going? Are they're trying to find their place in this world. They've, they've come from Korea to America, but then there's a difference in America. They've been in the city and now they're out in a, in a rural area trying to, like I said, just find their way here. And there's a division in the family. The husband and wife are, are having some real marital troubles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just nothing is explained. Everything's shown. It's it's a film that has a voyeuristic element to it, kind of, with just feeling like you're right there with this family and you're engaged. And, and um, I was going to say, Adam, and it's a film that surprised me, Love Minari, because I didn't see where it was going, ultimately. Right. I, 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 I mean, I literally... I literally was aghast at times and emotionally drew me in. And I thought, you know, where the film was headed, I don't want to get into any spoilers at all, but Minari is a plant a, that, that they grows over in Korea. And I thought that was going in one sense, it is the anchor point for a lot of other things in that film, but not where the film was going. I thought Minari was going to be the hero at the end of the film to rescue them. And it wasn't but it was the anchor point that probably kept them where they needed to be. And I'll just kind of leave it there. Sure. Love this film uh, as well. And well worth, it could easily have ended up in my top three, top four as well. It was number, number six for me though. So. All right. Now we're down to the top two. Okay. You, um, I can go first or you can go either one. Go for it. Okay. So my film, this film jumped out to me. Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. Oh, yeah. Loved this film. Oh, my gosh. 
Adam, I was, I was just, you know, I've kind of grown accustomed to Spike Lee. Unfortunately for me has kind of become a, eh, okay. You know, and you know, man, is this a return to form? Is this edgy? Is this social commentary for today? I love what he did with the, the, the four actors in not de-aging them when they would travel back to their, I mean, I, I just love the art, art, his artistic style that he did in this film. And if there's anybody that's going to challenge um, Sound of Metal for best actor, it's Delroy Lindo for his performance here in Five Bloods. Cause I'm yep. telling you one thing, it was a masterpiece. Now, yes, Gary Oldman's was a masterpiece in, in Mank as well, too. But this is a this is an apocalypse now masterpiece level of acting going on here. Um, love to five bloods. I mean, it just skyrocketed to the near the top of my list and just got edged out by number one. But it's on Netflix. It's available right now, folks. And I'd recommend it if you like. If you like movies with a heavy-handed social commentary, with about Vietnam War, um, about uh, uh, brothers sticking together, a band of brothers are going to just hang together and have that challenge that you know in some crazy and wild ways. Man, The Five Bloods is is a great film. Loved The Five Bloods. It it just missed my list. It's in my honorable mentions. I think it's Delroy Lindo's finest performance. We we take him for granted. He never gets a chance to shine like this. Oh, and here he does. But the I think the cool thing about the script is it starts as a heist movie, and then just becomes so much more. It's a generational tale, and, and everything yes. else action. Yes. I mean, this thing starts small and explodes into something big. And yeah, it's an incredible film. And like you said, it's on Netflix. No reason not to check it out. Yep, no, absolutely. How about you? What's your number two? My number two is Promising Young Woman. I have not this, seen either. <laughs> this is, an, well, most people haven't. Again, this is another one of those films that has not officially come out yet. We only saw it because of screeners and end of the year awards considerations. Um, this is not an easy subject matter, but it, it's in stark contrast to the way it looks. This is a rape revenge film, but it's popped with color, very bright, very sunny looking. And it it's going to cut you like a knife at the end. I mean, this is a very surprising film. You, no one should ever spoil this for you, but it's a movie that looks completely different than what its subject matter is. And it's like nothing we've ever seen before. The script is truly original. Wow. Great performance by Carrie Mulligan. And it's a very surprising film that will stick with you out of all the films on my list this year. Promising young woman is the one I've thought about the most and has really ingrained itself in me. Wow. But I would go in cold. If you can don't watch any of the trailers, just, okay. just go for that. Now, ride. It's going to the top of the list, but I haven't heard your number one yet. So, but for right now, it's at the top of my queue to go see. Uh, yeah. I, 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 there's a lot of buzz and I have not been spoiled. So I'm going to watch it before I am. So let's do our number ones, man. It's time, right? It's time. So I'll go ahead and go first since my number one has already been on your list. And that's our last crossover and it's Nomadland. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, what I can't really add a lot to this film other than no film in 2020 tugged at my heartstrings and unveiled a whole 
community in America that I didn't really know that much about, more than Nomadland. Outside of the movie being beautifully shot, gorgeous, superbly acted, wonderfully edited, um, tremendous performances, just the story of these nomads, these people who are 10 years older than me, 20, 10 to 20 years older than me that, man, have just had to literally go pack it up, live in a van and be seasonal workers and just try to exist. And, and some of them by choice, because maybe their whole life they were stuck at that office job they hated and just decided they would never be tied down again when they got to a certain age. Some of them because the plant closed and they had nowhere else, no other way to get income, you know, lost everything. So all, all a whole cross section of society there in one sense, but just, and then Frances McDormand's, her performance is just incredible, uh, moved me incredibly. Nomadland is my number one film of the year by far, head and shoulders above the other nine. Well-deserved too. All right. My number one, I don't think you've seen. It is Possessor. I, You know what? I almost started to say, I bet Possessor, because when you first saw this, you just kept saying, Roger, this movie, this movie, man. Go it's ahead, Adam. Everybody. I, it's clearly not for everybody. My good friend Brooklyn does not understand anyone that likes this film. Shit was not for her <laughs> at all. And every time I mention Possessor that I lost my mind for it, I hear about it from her. But this is Brandon Cranenberg that's made a body horror movie to rival some of his dad's work. It's set in a world where we have these corporate assassins that can possess someone else and go take out a like you know a VIP or CEO or something. It's not really cyberpunk. It's its own thing. And like I said, it's not going to be everybody's jam because there's a lot of stuff going on that you might be in some other one's body, some other person's body for a number of days and start losing yourself and disconnecting and having all kinds of weird problems. The visuals are trippy. The story's unpredictable. It's upsetting for numerous reasons, but it's just a movie that's wholly unique. And that's something I don't feel like we get all the time anymore. And I mean, originally this was described to me as a little bit of what if Inception met Exorcist, which isn't really a fair description, but right. it's sort of that same technology from Inception of going into someone else. But this is for possession, for control. And just what would this do to you if you were in these other bodies? How do you come back to yourself after each mission? Or what are you losing? What if you get lost and never come home? What if you get stuck in someone else? Because once you're in a body, you're fighting for control. And to have to maintain it and pretend to be this person around other people it's just I think an incredible film it was my clear number one from the moment I saw it I didn't know that anything was going to top it and, and nothing did for the rest of the year wow but it's one that I'm excited to see again and again well, I'm gonna and have to see it a real entry for Brandon Cranenberg on the scene there you go and folks that is our top 10 of 2020 so interesting year a weird year um just crazy year but again, some really great films did come out this year and are about to come out as with Nomadland and some of the other releases. Um, I think the only thing we have left, Adam, to wrap up the show today is kind of what are some honorable mentions? What are two or three films that are in your 11 to 15, 11 to 20 that are worth mentioning in your opinion? Uh, sure, real quick. Um, Mank and Defy Bloods just missed my list, and I like both of them quite a bit, which speaks to the strength of the list I, I think I put together. 
Um, I enjoyed Wolf of Snow Hollow, Relic, Boy State, which is a documentary. Belushi was another incredible documentary. Um, and there was some good horror this year too with uh, The Dark and the Wicked. And and for me, um, just some little oddities here and there. Uh, First Cow, and the only reason it didn't make my top 10 is I've got about just a little bit left to finish it. And I just was too guilty to put it on my top 10 and not having finished it. But, oh my gosh, so beautiful story, engaging, love the pioneering Pacific West. So much good there. Um, there was a documentary that came out on HBO called Class Action Park that I loved about a 1980s crazy, super dangerous theme park that would never be allowed to even exist today. Um, I laughed and I related because I was a I was the guy that I remember in Boy Scouts, they talked about this park up in upper New York that was supposed to people died every week at this amusement park. And I thought it was fiction. Well, no, it really existed kind of a deal. So class action park, I loved. Um, I finally got to see Hamilton this year, thanks to Disney Plus. Loved it, really was moving. I saw a little film called Ammonite, which I didn't think I would like at all and was engrossed in this film. Just loved this slow burn and, and, and the performances and just, I mean, was engaged. Um, I saw, liked, what's that? For anyone, if anyone liked Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I would definitely check out Ammonite. All right, my friend. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of The Film Coder. Any parting words or thoughts? You can find us on social media using the tag or hashtag at Film Coterie. We want to hear your top 10 list. Put a comment, you know, wherever we post this. Tell us your top 10. We'd like to see it, what you've been watching. Maybe we've missed something. Let us know. All right. Sounds good. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of The Film Coterie.